Well, good morning. How are you today? Good. Well, we've been kind of monitoring on my phone our team that is leaving for Honduras. Um, I've been watching my daughter. That's a good thing about phones, huh? Um, and she just got on the plane. And so they're fixing to, to head out for Honduras. And so be in prayer for that team this week. Um, not that I'm really, 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 really concerned, um, but no, my 16-year-old baby girl is flying. I know, though, right now she has got service pulled up and she's taking notes of sermon. Um, <laughs> confident in that. So there was a movie that came out in, I think, 2002, and it was called John Q. And it is a story, it's a a fictional story, but it is a story of a man, John Q. Archibald, whose son, Michael, um, has an enlarged heart, and they don't know this until basically in a baseball game, he falls over and comes really close to dying. And they rush him to the hospital, and they do all kinds of tests only to find out that he has an enlarged heart, and that he has to have a heart transplant to survive. And so doctors go through all the tests and procedures, and then the head of the hospital comes in and says, I'm, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to do this because your insurance does not cover the procedure. And so he becomes this frantic father, he, he and his wife, raising money, trying to figure out how to pay this $250,000 medical bill, and they have to put down $75,000 for them to even start the procedure. And so they raise money, and they do everything they can, and they come up with about $30,000, and the hospital says, that's not going to work. And so John Archibald gets a gun, and he walks into the ER of the hospital that his son is being treated in, locks the doors, and holds everyone inside hostage. Because his son needs a new heart, and he will do anything he can to help him get a new heart. And through the movie, it becomes clear that Michael, his young son, is not going to make it. And so John makes the decision that he is going to kill himself so that the doctor can take his heart and put it in his child so that his child could live. And as good movies do, the story takes a radical turn, and at the last moment, the hospital decides to place him on the organ donor list. A heart becomes available and is flown in just before he takes his own life. And Michael gets a new heart. And of course, this goes to trial. And he finds himself having to go serve time in prison for what he did to save the life of his son. And it's amazing because it's a story of a father's love for his child that he will do anything he can to help his boy survive. And his boy needs a new heart, and he will do anything he can to make sure he gets a new heart. And I wonder at times if we should not have that urgency when it comes to our heart 
as followers of Jesus. Now, I'm not suggesting you go get a gun afterwards and go hold up a hospital. Just to clarify, my preacher told me to do it. (laughs) But I am suggesting that there is a serious issue in all of our lives when it comes to the heart that needs to be addressed. Because I think all of us need surgery times. We need a heart replacement. We need the heart to be cleaned up. Because the purpose of this series in looking at these parables is really to look at what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, a kingdom-focused disciple. And these parables that Jesus tells are stories of everyday life with deep-rooted spiritual truths. They're stories that these people would have encountered, that we encounter every day, that have deep, deep meaning for us as followers of Jesus. And I think one of the things that's stood out the most as I've studied these parables is it continually comes back to the condition of our heart. And so I just asked that question this morning, how is your heart? What is the condition of it right now? Not not how was it a couple of years ago, not how was it when you were a child, but like right now, today. How is your heart? You see, because in the medical world, there are tests and there are procedures that help us monitor that. I mean, every time you go to a medical office, I mean, you even go to the dentist, they take your blood pressure and your pulse. They, they want to know how your heart is to be able to withstand whatever it is they're going to do. And if you start to have problems, they're going to do what they call a stress test, where they are going to do some physical exerting activities to put your heart under stress to see how it responds. And so your doctor monitors the health of your heart. But we don't really have anything like that as followers of Jesus. That there are not these stress tests until it's real life stress and we find out what's inside simply by what comes out, by what people see. See, and our hope with our real physical heart is that we would be proactive and not reactive. That we would constantly be taking steps to help our heart stay healthy. Right? You, you want to do things. You want to eat the right foods. You want to eat spinach and broccoli and not Whataburger. I know, I know, I know. It's unholy words in Texas. but And, and you want to exercise. You want to do some things to stress your heart, to make it stronger. But what happens so many times in our world, right, especially in 2023 America, is you go to the doctor and they say, whoa, 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 we got a problem. 
And we do something to react to the problem, to try to fix the problem after it's there. But what if as followers of Jesus, there were some tests that we could do, some things that we could look at to look at the condition of our heart before it was too late? What what if we could do some things to, to find the signs and see the symptoms before we lashed out at our wife or our kids? Before our marriage was on the rocks? What if we could do some things before we were entangled in addiction? Before pornography had a hold of us or alcohol or drugs? What if we could do some things so we say, hey, I know this heart right now is not like it should be. I know it's not right. But I need to do something to help it get healthy. I need to do something to help my heart be in shape. What if there was a spiritual heart test? And maybe it wasn't hooked up to monitors and and someone observing. Maybe it was just the everyday life and the way that we interact with people, the way we react to situations that we could see There's a problem. Things are not right. And as Jesus is telling these parables, there are crowds of people that keep coming to him to listen. And so on one occasion, this crowd has gathered around, and it's a large crowd, so Jesus gets into the boat, and he pushes off from shore just a little bit, And he's talking to this massive crowd. My guess is these are people in the crowd who have come to Jesus because they believe he is Messiah. And if he is Messiah, things are fixing to happen. God's judgment and justice is coming. Israel is going to see his redemption. They are going to be set free from their enemies. And maybe this is the beginning of a revolution. Maybe this is the moment he's calling us to arms. Maybe this is the moment he's going to say, let's take up our swords and go storm the castle. Maybe this is the moment Caesar ends up not on the throne and the Messiah does. And I think that's the message they're wanting to hear. That's the message they're wanting Jesus to speak because if He is Messiah, if He is the true King, then that means Caesar is not. That means Herod is not. And so Jesus has this group of followers who have so much hope in Him and so much hope in what He has come to do. And so it begins this way in verse 1 of chapter 13. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. 
Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop of a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And then he says, whoever has ears, let them hear. So he tells this parable about a farmer going out and scattering seed. And he finishes the parable with a statement. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples are so confused by Jesus' parables. And I think that was his hope. I think he wanted them to say, what in the world did that mean? Come here, Matthew. Come here, John. Come here, Luke. Come. Let's talk about what Jesus was saying. Let's discuss it. Let's have a conversation. What does it mean? What's the purpose of it? But instead, they come to Jesus and they say, well, Jesus, why are you always talking in parables? And Jesus says, well, I'm going to borrow some some words from Isaiah, a prophet who lived hundreds of years before Jesus. And here's what he says. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. Sorry, that, that's not Isaiah. Can you go back to Isaiah it's Matthew 13, like 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. Okay. Verse 12. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not, under, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see and their eye with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. They might see what I'm doing, they might hear what I'm saying, and they might understand. And he's quoting from Isaiah, who was a prophet, who was sent to Israel, and he has this vision of God and his holiness. And all he can do is he sees the holiness of God is to say, I don't belong here in God's presence. And God says, you're going to go, you're going to be my spokesman, and you're going to go to Israel, and you're going to call them back to me. You're going to call them out for their sins and the ways that they've continued to walk in their own paths and their own directions and not listen to me. But the problem is you're going to tell them they're out of line, and they're not going to listen to you. They're going to keep doing their own thing. They're going to hear what you're saying, and they're not going to understand it. They're going to see what you're doing, and they're not going to believe it. But in spite of all that, you're still going to go, 
to Israel. And I think Isaiah's question is the question that we all would have. How long? How how long are we going to do this? How long is this world going to be messed up? How long until you send Messiah? And there's this very kind of cryptic message, and he basically says, until everything is laid waste, until all the trees have cut down, and then once all of the trees have been cut down, then you will be able to see the root, the stump that's growing up in the middle of this forest. And the problem is, this stump, this root, you're not going to be able to see until everything around you is gone. It's almost as if he says, you won't be able to see Jesus until you truly realize how badly you need Jesus. Which probably would be pretty true for most of us. Sometimes it's really difficult to realize how badly we need Jesus. Because we feel like we don't need anything. That we can take care of ourselves. That we can earn our way. That we can make a name for ourselves. And sometimes, sometimes it takes everything falling down around us. to see Him standing in the middle of the mess. To see Him standing in the middle of the storm. To see how bad we need Jesus in our life. How long are we going to wait? And that's their question. How long And so Jesus gathers these disciples. He says, okay, let me me tell you what this means. Verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown on the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, it only lasts a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling in the good soil 
refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So there are these four soils. There's the soil on the path, the soil on rocky ground, the soil in the, the, the seed in the thorns, and then the seed in good soil. And he says there's this seed on the path that's thrown there and the evil one comes and snatches it away because that's the job of the accuser. It's the job of Satan is to wreak havoc in our life and really in our world. And then there's this soil that's put into this rocky ground and it just kind of pops up on anything. Have you ever seen ryegrass? It was always my favorite time of year early February during baseball season because they would overseed our field with rye and it would grow on everything. And it was so thick and cool to the touch and just beautiful. But it would grow on the warning tracks and on the mats and on the concrete. It, it would grow everywhere. But when that sun started to get a little bit hotter in Arkansas, it died off. It was gone. Why? It had no root. It had nothing to hold it there. And then there's the, the seed that's thrown into the thorns. And it's choked out by wealth and worry. I wonder if Jesus today might say it's choked out by our attention span to a whole lot of other things. And then there's the soil that's good. And when the seed finds it, it begins to grow. And not only does it grow, it begins to produce much more than was actually sown. And so to sow metaphorically was to teach. And Jesus is saying, I've been here and I've been walking with you and I've been teaching you about my upside down kingdom and how things work differently and how you're going to love your enemies and how you're going to forgive and how you're going to reconcile and how you're going to live your life like me and it's not going to make sense and it's not going to be easy. There's a world around you that you're going to live that life within. And it's going to be difficult. And you have to be on guard. And you have to protect yourself and protect your heart. Because Satan is constantly shooting arrows at us. Because there are so many things that consume us. Because at times the ways of Jesus don't look possible. See, and I'll, t- I'll tell you, I spend so much of my life hearing the words of Jesus and knowing what it looks like to live like Jesus and terrified to take that next step to actually do it. To actually forgive as He forgives. 
to really trust him and not worried about what's in my bank account or not worried about what's going on with our security, what's going on in my heart. Because all of my hope and all of my trust is in him. I struggle so often with the condition of my heart. Because when he talks about these four souls, he's not saying, hey, you got one, you're stuck with it forever. What I find is that mine fluctuates from one to the next, to the next, to the next at different times. And I think it's why that question, how is your heart, is so important, not just today, but every single day. What is the condition of your heart right now? Is it one that's just taking blow after blow from Satan and you're really struggling to hang on? Is it one who's being choked out because of so many worries and things going on in your life and in your world? Is it one that just doesn't have root because you don't take the time to help those roots grow deep? Or is it one that's in really good fertile soil right now that's producing crop? How is your heart? Because for me, mine, I I relate to all four of those soils. At different times, in different seasons, for different periods, for different lengths. And it all comes back to the question, do you have the courage to truly follow Jesus? And like we talked about, not just hear the words of Jesus and believe them, but hear the words of Jesus, allow them to transform who we are and the courage to actually follow Jesus. In that movie, John Q, when it starts getting towards the end, John makes the decision that he's going to give up his life for his son. He says he needs a donor. He needs a heart. He's going to die if he doesn't get a heart, so I'm going to give him mine. He needs a heart. Someone's got to die in order for him to live. I'm his father, it's me. It is the very same thing that God said for you. Someone's got to die in order for him to live, in order for her to live. I'm his father. I'm her father. It's me. That's how much God loves you. That he was willing to put on flesh and blood and come live in the middle of our mess and take on the punishment of all our sin 
the worst sin could possibly do to someone, accuse an innocent man and sentence him to death. And God takes it all upon his shoulders and pays that price. He pays that price because he loves you and because he loves me. He pays that price because he knows that this world is hard, that this world is difficult, this world will constantly leave you searching for someone else to save you. And yet right there in the middle, right in the middle of the mess, is a Savior with these outstretched arms. A Savior who says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. All so this heart could be healed. So that this heart could be right. So how's your heart? Which soil are you today? Right now, right, right now at this moment. Not how was it or how will it be, but right now. Does some work need to be done to cultivate that soil? To make sure that that seed grows and that those roots run deep and that they're strong and vibrant. Because if they are, it will produce fruit that will last. Father, thank you so much for this time. We're grateful for this day. But Father, so much we are thankful for Jesus the one who gives his life to give us life. And Father, right now, with, with so many different people in this room in so many different places, I don't know where this message lands. I don't know where everyone's heart is. The only one I can answer that for is me, not anyone else. And so, Father, would you take this heart, this heart that is feeble and frail and broken and dry at times, and Father, bring it back to life. Father, so that I could look more and more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. Father, give us a hunger, a passion to know you, to walk with you, to be transformed and changed by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.